Blog Talk Radio. Hi, thank you for listening to episode number 10 of The Fix, giving you education, solutions, and troubleshooting for the baseball pitcher, featuring sport kinesiologist Angel Borelli. I'm your host, Joe Janish, publisher of OnBaseball.com, as well as MetsToday.com, which is part of ESPN's Sweet Spot Network. Angel is a specialist in the baseball pitching motion, She's worked with pitchers from the Little Leagues through the Big Leagues, and she's the author of the book Engineering the Pitching Elbow, which you can find on Angel's website, gymscience.com. In this episode of The Fix, we're going to tackle the current epidemic of arm injuries in baseball by providing solutions from a group of experts whose voice has yet to be heard. Those are the people who study and understand body movement. Additionally, we are going to give you a list of signs you can look for that could indicate a pitcher is vulnerable to an arm injury, particularly elbow injuries. So listen up. You're going to get a lot of good information today. So let me get Angel on the line. One second. Angel, we have you there? Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. So um, just when we thought we were out of the woods with all these pitching injuries, and after we, we heard this roundtable of, of people talking about all these injuries, uh, within just, just a f- about two days later, we got the news that Jose Fernandez, one of the, the top young pitchers in baseball, blows out his elbow. And a couple of days later, we hear that a pitcher from the Rangers, Martin Perez, is also looking, uh, looking like he may need some elbow, injury, elbow surgery. Um, and everyone is tearing their hair out. They're trying to figure out what's going on how we can stop this. Um, so I think we need to talk to you and see what kind of what kind of ideas you have to share. Well, you know, I think uh, the thing that I noticed this week, I got so many emails, and I thank all the listeners for actually really listening and passing uh, our podcast on to people that, you know, could use the information. I've gotten so many. Uh, first of all, I got tons of requests for the recovery guidelines. I can't tell you how happy that made me. But also, I got tons of emails and calls from coaches of all levels and pitchers and fathers who are, in my opinion, sounding really scared because the message that actually is out there right now actually does not bode well in the sense of everybody's still trying to spend a lot of time trying to figure out why this is happening and coming up with possible ideas and coming up with with some possible solutions, but they're not realistic in the sense of anything that pitchers and fathers and coaches can do right now. And so people are scared, and and they're making it sound like, well, we've got these great pitchers, and they're going down, and we don't know why. And there is a danger to that kind of message because once we think that we know the answer, which is it can't be helped, then we stop looking and making progress in the direction of making changes. And the message has been, is one-sided right now because the only people that are really out there being heard, you know, they're on television, they're being interviewed, are three factions. One is Major League Baseball. The other faction is the medical world. And then, of course, you've got the sports reporters. And each one of those departments is looking through a very narrow window, which is their window to look through. And you can't get blood out of a turnip, okay? If we want to, when we hear Major League Baseball talk about their business, and they are a business, we're going to hear them talk about pitch counts, uh, innings pitched. We're going to hear them talk about the statistics they have, and they're finding this out, and they're going to have conjecture about this, that, and the other. We're not going to hear them talk personally about each pitcher because they don't have in place those kinds of systems. When the medical world talks, we're going to hear about what they see when they go in and look at an arm. But remember, they're looking at an arm of somebody who is injured. That's why he's there. And they make connections that are very valuable because they interview everyone. So over the years, they can say, we noticed that the kids who were catchers Also, they're having surgeries. The kids who played all year round, they're having surgeries. So they're making very interesting connections that are very valuable. 
but they're also looking at just one universe. Then we've got the sports reporters who really are writing what they're hearing from the first two factions, which is, you know, they're trying to put together the information. Some of them have done research themselves. And, of course, they're looking through the eyes of business, which is business usually has a work product. They don't care how the job gets done. They want it done. And in pitching, you have to throw balls and strikes. There's never been a message from Major League Baseball that we want you to throw balls and strikes, or strikes, but we don't, but we, and we care about how you do it. There's never been that message from Major League Baseball. So for right now, for us to be wondering, well, why aren't they talking about how the pitcher is pitching? It's almost not in their purview right now. Now, would I like to see that in the future? Absolutely. But it shouldn't mean that we're not discussing it right now. So the faction of the universe that has not been heard is the faction that I work in, which is I work with motion. And if there's an injury that's created by motion, then you have to look to the motion. You have to look to the body that's producing the motion. If for no other reason than to rule out that that was the cause. And, you know, everybody knows that I do not talk about pitchers, bring their name up, critique their mechanics, because I work with pitchers. And I respect them and their privacy and their integrity. And this is somebody's son, so I'm not going to ever put a pitcher up on a chopping block. But what I can tell you is, is that when Major League says, wow, this pitcher has great mechanics and look what happens when I look at the film that's available to me I am seeing huge risk factors that could have predicted this injury because of the way they use their body so when Major League Baseball has everyone thinking we're scratching our heads we can't figure out what's wrong these guys are great they were the best prospects please know that they're looking at it from he throws strikes. You know, he throws 100 miles an hour. His delivery, even they will go to say this, his delivery looks really good. But they are talking through their lens. They're not what they think is good and what I think is safe are two entirely different things. And what I can tell you is I get sent film from every pitcher or from somebody who so everybody who's gone down with the Tommy John in the last few weeks or even months, I've looked at some film that has been sent to me. And I have not yet seen one pitching delivery where there wasn't something that if had I seen it a year ago, had they come to me saying um, something's wrong, it would have been the first adjustment we would have made. So the cool news is, is that there is hope and they are not speaking yet about this piece. And when they start getting to this, things will start to change. But for right now, for all the people listening who are scared, you have to look at the pitcher's motion. And what I want to do today is I want to talk about specific things and I want to give all the listeners tools for things you can look for right now in your pitcher's mechanics, whether you're a coach or a father, and also some red light signs of things that the pitcher may be complaining about, which may feel like that has nothing to do with the elbow, but it has everything to do with the elbow. And I want people to have something to bite their teeth into so we can start saying, hey, you know what? This has to be something that we start to do. And for the pitchers that are on the DL right now, they have to start to believe or accept that it's possible that the way they did it not what they did, but how they did it is what got them into the injury situation, which gives them possibility of avoiding it in the future. And you see, that is what we want, pitchers that are laden with hope, not fear. So looking at the body and the motion, to me, seems so intuitive, but not one person on the panel, and nobody is actually talking about Let's take a look at the way he does what he does from a perspective of 
is he is our is he doing anything that can predict an elbow problem? And trust me, there's been tons of research, so it's really simple for someone like myself to connect those dots and to be able to see if a pitcher is at risk or not. And also to be able to tell from the film of the game he got injured what he needs to change so he doesn't end up with a second surgery. The second surgery situation this year is probably the scariest because what it means is nobody really is waking up to the possibility that the way they got there the first time, that they never changed anything. So they got there a second time. So that's what to me feels like needs to get done right now. We need to open the discussion to a fourth way to start looking at things. Yeah, you know, I think a big problem, the reason that this this whole injury issue has become an epidemic, I think in part is because baseball has been staying inside this box in this this small circle of of people who who know what they're talking about in a lot of different and a lot of different specializations, but they've stayed within this box this 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 small group of people for to rely on them for all of the information. And, and, you know, we, we talk about, you know, getting, thinking outside the box, getting outside the box. I think it's time for baseball to do that. Not just saying it as a, as a buzzword, but get out of the box, get out of your little sphere of, of thinking and, and start reaching out to people who, who mm-hmm. have expertise in an area where you don't. And, and I can see that, that, like you said, this, this is where we have the disconnect. Um, you know, it's as I'm, I'm, you know, I was a pitching coach at the college level. I've spoken to a lot of pitching coaches at the college and professional level. And all of the information that we've ever gathered has always been from other pitchers going back in history. And it's always been, like you said, it's not about necess- I mean, we, we think about trying to keep pitchers healthy, but a lot of it was guesswork. A lot of it was like, well, we know we need to repeat the delivery if we want to consistently throw strikes. Okay, that's a performance thing. All right, I, we need to you know, get to certain points in the motion so that you can stay on a straight line to throw strikes and throw harder. Okay, that's a performance thing. But, you know, we really never knew too much about how to keep an arm healthy be, because we're just kind of guessing. We, we, we didn't, you know, we, we saw what other guys did that was successful as far as throwing strikes, throwing, you know, high velocity. And that's, that's what we used as our model toward helping other pitchers move forward. But, you know, it's somewhere in there, we, we didn't get the, the outside expertise of, you know, someone who really understands body movement and, you know, we, it's, it, we're, it's dangerous. Um, and Mm -hmm. I, I think now that we finally have some, you know, we have the science, we have the research, it's there, it's available, it's time to start tapping into it. And, you know, this, you know, some of these latest injuries are a prime example of, of what you're saying. You know, like you said, Mm -hmm. a guy like Jose Fernandez, Fantastic pitcher, throws 100 miles an hour, um, you know, is striking everybody out, is, has great numbers. How could he possibly be injured? Well, it, you can't just mm-hmm. go by, well, it's just bad luck. You know, I don't, I don't, no matter what it is they do in life, if something is going wrong, there's a reason right. that, that something is going wrong. It's not just dumb luck or, or you know, right. the, the biorhythms or something. Something is wrong. We need to find the answer. If the people that I'm talking to cannot help me find the answer, then I need to find more people. I need to find other right. people, more people with different expertise. You know, right. not, it doesn't necessarily have to be better expertise. It's, it's, it's different expertise. Um, mm-hmm. one, one, one example I like is, you know, all of these, all the, all these uh, major league pitchers that we see on TV, they're all talking about, oh, yeah, you know, his motion is this and that, and he's falling off and his arm is dragging, blah, blah, blah. Um, just because they threw a baseball doesn't mean that they know how to throw a baseball correctly and safely. They might know how to throw a baseball um, for performance to, to, to get batters out, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they can, they can um, do it safely. And a comparison I like to make is if you had a race car driver and he's driving his car and he, he blows out his engine, and if he keeps blowing out his engine and blowing out his engine, if he keeps you know, doing over and over, and all he's doing is talking to other race car drivers about why his engine is getting blown out. Um, he's probably not going to find the answer. He's going to have to eventually talk to someone who knows how an engine works, like a mechanic. You know, but in- instead, if you, it's just these race car drivers just keep talking to each other and their, and their engines keep blowing out. Well, well, no, you have, to get, you have to get someone with a more specialized expertise 
on the engine, not necessarily on how to drive the car. So, right. Yeah, and you didn't actually, you know, what's interesting is when pitchers look at other pitchers, they actually have pretty good eyes, and so do pitching coaches. But this isn't about analyzing what somebody's doing wrong. Actually, probably that's easier to do than fixing it, and that's why the word analysis has been thrown around so much and, and actually given a bad name because they're like, well, they had biomechanists on board, and, you know, it didn't save this pitcher. I don't care what and who's doing the analysis. You have to know how to go in and make the change. So saying somebody's arm is dragging or this or that, the real deal is what is he actually really saying and then knowing what's, what the pitcher's doing and then knowing why he's doing it and what thing needs to be corrected. And the thing that you see when you're looking at a pitcher's mechanics is not the thing that you usually need to fix. Because the reason why, for example, a pitcher might lead with his elbow, which is what, oh, I looked at films in the last two weeks of three guys that went down, and they were all leading with their elbow. Well, leading with the elbow is a strange thing. And uh, actually, it uh, is incorrect shoulder mechanics when a pitcher leads with his elbow. But um, why is he leading with his elbow? Because he knows that if he stands and faces and throws really, uh, you know, with fast arm speed, he's going to be using his shoulder. Well, he's eliminating his shoulder. Why is that happening? Well, if his stride is really, really off and he's really off balance, let's take a right-handed pitcher and let's say as he strides, his left foot, instead of going far enough to his left, ends up going too far to his right. So when you look at him from behind, it would look like he's on a tightrope. Well, he's so off balance there that when he goes to rotate, which is the next thing that happens after he lands in his stride, he's not going to be able to rotate completely because of the position of his feet. Think about if you're on a tightrope, you want to turn your hips? No, you're, you want to kind of keep them sideways, especially that back hip. So the pitcher then has to rotate his shoulders ahead of his hips. Well, he's off balance, so he can't really get out over his front leg, but he knows he's got to get close to deliver the ball. His brain sticks his elbow out, and then he delivers the ball from his elbow. Now, who is the greatest at risk if he pitches this way? The guy who's throwing 100 miles an hour because he's a gamer. He's getting it done. He's getting it done whichever way he can, which is, believe me, a lot of chemistry and great hand-eye coordination. And that delivery at 100 miles an hour is not with the use of all his body parts. It's with the use of, at that time, just his arm. And so now we've got an injury to the elbow. And what's the correction that would he would need? Is it to his arm? Maybe down the road, but you have to start with the stride first. If you don't land right, you'll be there all day trying to get him to throw from his shoulder complex because his body's keeping him in balance. So to understand this is something that takes years of study. Now, I wish Major League, I don't want to see Major League Baseball being afraid that it's their fault, therefore they're coming up with reasons. I think everybody got scared when when they were pulling at straws saying, let's lower the mound. I mean, you know... (laughs) How realistic is that? And the deal is, is that we want to hear things. If you think you've done something wrong and you have to defend yourself, you're going to come up with crazy solutions and crazy reasons and you're going to blame other people like it's youth pitching, it's this and that. The MLB just needs to add another department. They need to add a department to their teams. And they need to start to trust that you can have somebody come in and work with a pitcher and make a tiny adjustment that doesn't change the way the pitcher has, you know, throws quality pitches if you have the right person doing the right thing. But heretofore, it's been a pitching coach trying to make changes, and we know that that doesn't work out because, as I've always said, that's not their job. So the deal is, is pitchers need to start taking responsibility. Every pitcher on the DL right now, he should be you know, with the, with, with, uh, assuming he's not violating anything in his contract and everything's up and up, he should be getting outside assistance and understanding of why this happened, and he shouldn't stop until he gets the answer. 
And this is when he's sitting around not doing anything and still isn't pitching, when his mind is clear. We have a great pitcher that went down recently, and it's a front leg issue. And when I looked at the film on it, his ankle, his knee, and his hip were so far. So the ankle, knee, and hip work together. That's why when you're standing, you're right over your ankle, your knee's right over your ankle, and then your hip's over your knee. And as you know, if you've ever had a knee injury, when they rehab you, they teach you how to make sure the knee's going straight ahead, you're not pigeon-toed, they make sure your foot's going in the same direction as your knee, you know, things, if you've ever had a gait problem, when they walk, they want you all in alignment. And this picture was so out of alignment, with his foot going one way, his knee going the other way, and his hip going the other way, and he's wondering, and they're wondering, why does he have uh, front leg pain? And to look at this alignment is the answer to it. It's simple. And believe me, it's a simple adjustment. The cool thing is when you make an adjustment in the direction of what's normal, there's a sigh of relief on the part of the owner of that body because you're not really selling a bill of goods. You're bringing them back to normal normal movement. So what has to get added is this lack of fear about adjustments, the acknowledgement that bringing in a whole, a whole other skill, and then also not having so much um, fear around uh, some of the things and coming up with solutions that are really not going to take place. If they decided to lower the mounts, it would be 10 years before all the mounts got lowered. Uh, the pitch count and all that, all that stuff, let them go ahead and keep looking at it because they are important issues. But you can't spend time working on those issues if you haven't started with the motion itself, the way that the body produced the motion because it was within the motion that the injury occurred. So with that being said, first of all, does that make sense to you? And what would you think about my starting with just maybe talking about the top eight risk factors, maybe eight? I'm throwing out a number here, but how about if I list some risk factors that when you see this on a pitcher, he is at risk and vulnerable to an elbow injury? What would you think about my uh-huh. doing that? I, I think that's a no-brainer. I think that would be a fantastic thing to do, and I think it would be helpful for everyone who's listening. So why don't we uh, why don't we start to go through some yeah. of those risk and factors? Understand. Okay, and I understand we don't have visuals, but listen, I'm not telling you as a dad, if you're listening to this, to go out and fix your son's mechanics. Get him to a sport professional if you see any of this stuff. But here are the things that, and, and, and where, how do I know this? Number one, I know it because my expertise is in the way the joints move correctly. And if a joint's not in the right position, I know it's going to produce an odd motion. And so part of it is just my background. The, but the majority of it is I've worked with pitchers who come to me after Tommy John. I've also worked with pitchers who were misdiagnosed and give clearance to start pitching again. And they all had similar weird things going on with their forearm. And then with my recommendation, they went back, and sure enough, there was a tear. But I have seen consistency over the years, just like Dr. Andrews can say, 80% of the pitchers that, you know, have this injury at 15, they were throwing curveballs too soon. Or he can say, this percentage of pitchers played year all year round. Or this percentage, he's talking about his world and what he sees. Now I'm talking about my world, and I can tell you that the things I'm going to mention are things that are consistent. So the first thing I mentioned, which is critical, and we're starting at the bottom, is if you've got a kid who's, you guys call it throwing across the body. I never quite understood that. When the pitcher steps across his body, so the right-handed pitcher, his left leg is going too far to the right. Can't clear his hips. He's going to end up bleeding with the elbow. That stride problem causes rotation problems. And the upper level of rotation is what brings the arm, the shoulder, and the elbow into its correct position for acceleration. So when the stride is off, it creates a problem with the rotation, which creates a problem with the position of the arm and the way it's going to throw the ball. Okay, that's number one. Number two, one of the main things we want to see in any pitcher is he gets his body behind the ball, you know, force comes from how much mass you have behind the ball. 
if you are striding in a way or doing something odd with your body where you're off balance and you're pulling away from your pitch, remember you are creating that force then with just your arm. So when you see a pitcher who strides out so far because he thinks he's supposed to, and he's so far out that you see his front leg land, and if you're looking at him from the upside, he would look like the outside of a triangle on one leg. So his knee is behind his foot, and he pulls the knee backward to throw the ball, so you see his shoulders aren't over his front foot. He has actually pulled backward with his knee. What you're seeing there is all that body weight, the center of mass, which is about at your belt buckle, that's supposed to be over your foot and out in front behind the ball. Now you've pulled back while you're throwing hard with your arm. Now, does that mean he's not going to throw as hard as he could? Actually, I don't care if he's throwing 98. He could be throwing harder if he did it right. But what's he really doing? He's asking his arm to produce all that force. You have to remember that the good pitchers at the highest risk because they get the job done in spite of their crazy mechanics. So that's the thing you want to remember, and that's why you can't look at, and this is what baseball does, it reverse engineers success. Oh, he throws strikes and he, and he wins games and he throws hard, uh, and all his pitches are nasty. Excellent. That's great, and he's got a good job. But I want to know, is he doing it okay and in a way where he can continue doing it? I mean, what good would it be if you could throw like that but you knew you were going to last a year? How about getting some adjustments to where you'd use your body correctly and you could last 10 or 15 years, but you wouldn't have to lose anything off of the talent that you have. So we want to see the body involved. So the stride is critical. What you do with the front leg is critical. So if you see your son or your pitcher striding out too far and he's not managing it, One of the key ingredients to a good pitch and to a fast pitch is his trunk tilt. The trunk has to tilt over the front leg. If the front leg straightens and pulls back, the tilt happens, but it happens further away. Remember, you want your hand out there, not your foot. So you want to have a good trunk tilt. And again, if your stride isn't correct, if your feet aren't placed, your feet should, when when you're facing the plate, your feet should look the same way as they look when you take a step. You've got one step out in front of you, straight out in front of your hip, and the other leg is right behind the other hip, and it's going to pull forward, and if you didn't move the front leg, you'd have two feet next to each other. That is called correct spacing, and that's kind of the spacing you need on the lower body. So the lower body creates the ability to rotate. Now, when we're also looking at risk factors for uh for um, the elbow injuries, of course, we're looking at the whole body and the mechanics that contribute to weird elbow things. But then you've got some direct issues that are coming that are really stressing the elbow. It's not just that the elbow is getting used a lot because the pitcher is not using his body. So let's look at forearm rotation. So the forearm is the precursor. Forearm pain is a big precursor to elbow injury. So don't just think, oh, it's my forearm, it's okay. No, the forearm rotates and it's the joint right below the elbow. And the wrist flexors and extensors all cross the wrist out of the hand and they insert on the inside of the elbow. So when that forearm gets wasted from anything unnecessary that it does, it's going to decrease the amount of stabilization it's giving to the elbow. And the forearm is what creates all the location and it actually creates the position of the hand. That's a better way to say it. It controls your pitch type. So when we see pitchers doing unnecessary things, so pronation is when the hand is down, supination is when the palm is up. If we see a pitcher twisting his thumb down and around and under at times of the motion when there should be no twisting in that forearm, he's creating stress in the forearm. So by the time the arm gets to where it needs the forearm for stabilization, it's actually had to come out of a weird position. And these are small things that fatigue the forearm. And fatigue in the forearm is one of the highest risk factors 
for blowing out the elbow. So if you pitch that way and you have unnecessary pronation, especially at a time of the motion where your arm shouldn't be under any stress, and that is when the right after handbrake, and it's what I think you baseball guys call early cocking, and in analysis we call it something else, but where the forearm is being twisted. Hooking is another problem that kids have, and even though we see major leaguers that do it and they come out of it and they, it doesn't seem to affect them, hooking can be a real serious problem for elbow injuries because it does, again, uh, stress the forearm and fatigue it unnecessarily. An inappropriate follow-through is a very direct effect on the elbow. So when you see a young pitcher keep his arm totally straight after he throws the ball, he doesn't have that wrapping effect you see, He's actually fighting the tendency of the elbow to bend, which is how it decelerates. So that is a very common risk factor. And kids with elbow pain can get out of it immediately by releasing that elbow at the end of, uh, of the motion. So right there are things that you can look at immediately to see if, uh, you know, if you see a pitcher doing that. And I can tell you that some of the things that I've mentioned – are actually some of the things I've seen on the major league pitchers. Just because they're major league doesn't mean that they don't have the same issues. Um, so, well, that's a that's, and, that's a really important point, Angel. That um, because I think a lot of coaches and you know amateur coaches and kids and you know even even older older kids are looking at major league pitchers and they're seeing them do things like this, whether they're hooking the ball or they're doing something else strange or they're or they're striding, you know, six foot six when they're only five foot eleven, and I, I think they're trying to emulate what the, the big leaguers are doing, thinking that that's what's going to make them successful. So I think it's important to understand that just because somebody is doing it on TV in the major leagues and throwing 100 miles an hour with it, doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing, especially not the right thing for every right. other individual. Exactly, and you know, one of the a very very good pitcher that went down <clears throat> within the last month. I was looking at his mechanics, and I said, oh, my God, his timing was so off. Now, when we do analysis, and again, I want to remind everybody, analysis is only a tool we use. So, uh, you, but when I do frame-by-frame -frame analysis, which is really necessary to see all this stuff, so when you bring your pitcher or when a pitcher goes to have work on his mechanics, you really want someone who knows how to be able to actually pinpoint some things. So in, in analysis, we, of course, have to stop the motion at certain places, and we have ways that we define phases of emotion so that we are all looking at the same thing at the same time, and we're looking at the picture at a certain place in the motion. So we could compare, for example, 10 guys at the same place because we know exactly what signals the end or beginning of a phase. The, where the arm is at the time of foot strike, and I mean when the foot first touches down to the ground, is critical because it signifies the end of the stride phase, which I mentioned is so important. And what's going to happen next is rotation. And the rotation, of course, is where everything, I mean, once that foot hits, it's showtime. Okay, where the arm is at that time in the motion, where the forearm is, where the shoulder is, is a critical piece, and it's very hard to explain what's correct over the phone, but let me just say that. It, it's got to be in a very specific place, and there's a range that is allowed. This fantastic picture that went down recently, within the last month, I'll say, his arm was so not in the right place. And we're not talking a little bit. We're talking like, oh, my God, that what happens, and particularly because he's so good and he's a power pitcher, is that his brain knows his arm is behind. So when that foot hits, it's not in place. He has to make up for that. So what happens is, his shoulder ends up not doing exactly what it's supposed to do, and the rest is history. So then you get a delivery that is actually not using the shoulder and the musculature around the shoulder exactly correctly, so you get altered shoulder and elbow mechanics. And this guy, who everybody thought was so perfect, this was so obvious. Now, 
wouldn't it have been great for somebody who said, this guy's one of the best, to have somebody take a look at that? And the thing is, to change that is not a big deal. And the pitcher already knows that something's not right. I've never had a pitcher where I said, I want to show you something. And he'd go, oh, no, I don't really do that. He'd go, you know, I knew something was happening here. They all know. Now, if you're making something up, they're going to disagree with you. But when you deal with the real way that body, the body moves and also the timing of the motion, the way it's set out in science as to where things need to be, the pitcher never has to be convinced. He always goes, yep, I had a sense of that. So this one injury probably could have been avoided. Now, if he's been pitching this way for a long time, then he's been, and he's a power pitcher, then he is misusing the joints, and they always end up winning. So, and it happens suddenly, because over time, as Dr. Andrews mentioned, things don't just happen right now. There's, you, see minuscule, you see damage that's taken place over time. Well, probably right. those things can't be helped, but why would, we, why would we not also still look at the mechanics, the motion, the motion, the body's motion? Why would we not look at that to be sure that even in a picture where it's almost inevitable that he's going to have wear and tear, why not minimize it by making sure that he is not abusing his body in addition to the normal wear and tear that it's going to have? So the timing of a pitching motion is critical, and where the arm is at certain times is critical. And for this one particular pitcher, it was so far off that it would be crazy to look at the rest of the motion. You would know that there was going to be a problem. So, right. Well, I think so part, of the, part of the problem with, with that pitcher, <clears throat> whoever it was, and every pitcher who has had great success and then has had an, you know, a, a devastating injury like a, you know, a UCL tear, <clears throat> um, the issue is that as, as long as that pitcher is performing well, no one is going to try to change what he's doing, even if, the, even if they suspect there might be something that could be wrong or could be damaging there's no pitching coach in baseball that wants to change it because I think that they recognize the fact that they don't know how the body is really supposed to move, even though they they talk about it and they're not going to be the one to, to make the change. And then God forbid he makes, you know, somebody makes a change and then that pitcher goes from throwing, you know, a hundred miles an hour to only 93 or, you know, his, he's, he's only striking out five batters a game instead of 10 after they make this change. I mean, that's the fear. The fear is that, that I might do something that will, make this pitcher less successful. And they're probably well, right because they probably don't know how to make the change. No, so, yes. And, and fear is a wonderful thing to have when you're in over your head. Now, people ask me all the time because I have million-dollar arms in my hands. I have had, and I have future million-dollar arms in my hands. <clears throat> and they're under my wing a lot during the week. It's not like it's once every month. One wrong move. And people say, are you ever afraid? And it's like, No, because it's what I do for a living, and the adjustments are seamless. But here's the deal. You're going to take a pitcher, and his performance will improve if he improves a piece that is actually holding him back in some ways. And Major League Baseball should be concerned about making those changes because they don't have the expertise to do that. So in Major League Baseball, the guys that are injured right now, they need to get in the driver's seat and have their mechanics looked at so they don't repeat them. As they begin to do that, and we and pitchers see that they came back and they looked a little bit different, and then they start talking about, yeah, well, in my off time, you know, I saw that my arm was doing this and it was that, and, you know, I knew I couldn't do that again. And uh, then we're going to start to have that kind of conversation. So I want the pitchers to start taking some responsibility. And then what Major League Baseball might want to do is do an experiment, have somebody with some knowledge, take a look at a few pitchers and hear them out and say, this is what, this is what we're seeing in this and this is what 
needs to get changed. But just because Major League Baseball doesn't want to make this move, and that's what I'm saying, they need to be let off the hook here because they are a business and they've never pretended not to be. I want to see the dialogue going into the, the, the people that listen to these kinds of shows and the world right now, high school guys, college guys, minor league guys, so that by the time they get there, all this stuff is handled. And it starts with just a few people opening up to this idea. And all it's going to take is just a few pitchers. Any one of these pitchers that saw their film, any, there's three or four I'm thinking of right now. If they were sitting at a table and we were looking at video, they would be so excited, not worried. They'd be excited because they'd go, wow, that's how it happened. Cool. I mean, who wants to have something happen and not have any idea of how it happened? That's not a good place to be. And a lot of times when you don't see pitchers returning to their formal velocity, a lot of times it's because nobody ever gave them anything to bite their teeth into, and they're apprehensive. They get tentative. And uh, also, so everybody wants answers. When you're sick, you do not want the doctor to say, I can't find anything. You want to hear them say, well, your blood test showed this, and this is what we think. You're actually relieved. The worst news is when there's no news about what could have been the cause. And it's got to be something that's personal to the pitcher. So I think it's great they're hesitant, but that doesn't mean they should stop. They want to start taking a look at the, these risk factors if their intent is to save their pitchers. This would be a great thing for the minor leagues to do because once you're in the major leagues, you're in the big business. But in the minor leagues, when they've got somebody, this may be something to start thinking about. But I don't care if the professionals do it. I want to see the high school and college guys, and I want to see the kids starting to think, okay, I can prevent injury if I at least make sure my body is doing everything correctly. And that's where we need to start. Right. Well, speaking of speaking of doing things correctly, um, you mentioned before that that this this pitcher that just recently got hurt, his his arm was not in the position it needed to be when when his foot came down, and that's a, and that's a critical point in the delivery. Could you just try to explain? I mean, I know we don't have pictures or video here to explain it, but could you try to explain where the arm or the hand needs to be when that front foot comes down, so that people can understand? If it's not there, that there could be an issue. Could you just kind of explain where mm -hmm. it's supposed to be? Well, both of your shoulders should be at 90 degrees. And for people who have a background, it would be 90 degrees of abduction. And for people who don't have background, if you raise your arms up to your side so your arms and your body look like the capital letter T, that's the T position, mm -hmm. that's 90 degrees, right. that's where the upper arm needs to be. The glove arm is, of course, bent at the elbow, doing whatever, whichever style the uh, pitcher uses. It, it may even be straight. And the elbow of the pitching arm needs to be bent to about 90 degrees as well. But the rotation of the shoulder will indicate where the forearm's gonna be. And the forearm that needs to be on, a, on an angle. It needs to look, it'll look like it's about 45 degrees above parallel, so it's on an angle. And that shoulder needs to be there because the minute he starts to turn, the shoulder rotates. It rotates backwards to get ready for the acceleration. If the shoulder can't begin its rotation backward, because you landed and you started turning your body and your arm wasn't in place, then you're going to have some issues with the shoulder not contributing what it needs to contribute. You also can wear out the back of the shoulder. The back of the shoulder is critical to elbow health. In fact, there's probably tons of pitchers who went down with elbow injuries that if you asked them, somewhere in the year to two years prior, they had rear shoulder problems the back of the shoulder is critical. That's why the shoulder position is so important because it allows it to move correctly. And then it allows it to decelerate and help the elbow decelerate. If the back of the shoulder is worn out because you didn't have your arm in the right place at the right time and you're making up time, and you're, of course, making it up with the shoulder, and you may even have a weird way that you use the shoulder at acceleration, which is leading with the elbow style, you're going to have problems with the back of the shoulder helping the elbow slow down. 
So the back of the shoulder being in the right place is critical. It's sort of like your brakes. And if if they're not in position, so that's why the arm, believe it or not, in the stride, when that arm, you're thinking, well, that's so far away from acceleration. No, it sets everything up so that every piece goes together. And the shoulder has to help the elbow. It has to help it in the way it's positioned for acceleration, but also the way it's positioned for deceleration. And if the shoulder goes down at all, for whatever reason, the elbow is left out hanging to dry all by itself. And that's another reason why we want to see good shoulder and elbow mechanics, which starts at handbrake, which continues on to correct positioning of the legs for rotation, and then continues on into forward trunk tilt and acceleration through the shoulder and elbow simultaneously. We don't want to see anything change in that formula. And the guys that have Tommy John surgery, they have altered that formula just a teeny bit. And that teeny bit over time puts extra wear and tear, particularly on the good pitcher. Because his brakes need to be even better. Okay. Can we, can we, I want to just, I just want to review one more time so that it's, so that it's clear. Um, the foot comes down. You've got, you've got your arms. If you brought, brought your arms up at a T, if your body was like a T, um, the throwing arm is going to be at a 90 degree angle, correct? Parallel to the ground. And the forearm the up is going arm, to be up the arm. Yeah. At 45 degrees, when you say 45 degrees, the form well, 45 degrees, why, 45 degrees, why, which way? Honest to God, Joe, I'm scared about having this conversation. I wish I had answered the question because if unless you're saying 45, I said it, no one's going to know what we mean. And having bad information, I'm just totally against this. So everybody could hear this in a different way. But um, right. for those of you who own my elbow book, there's a, there's a picture of this, uh, of where the arm angle needs to be, because we're talking about where the arm, the upper arm needs to be and where the rotation of the shoulder needs to be, which is reflected by the angle of the forearm. And I'm not trying to be rude to you. I just, as you were starting to ask me questions, I said, oh, my God, I got in over my head on this one. But the truth is, is that it, at the risk of being misunderstood, I would rather not say, but I want to send people to places where they can find this out, which is actually, if anybody wants to see a picture of this, email me like you did for the recovery guidelines, and I will send out the ASMI photo, which I'm sure they would, they've approved for use in my book. If you own my book, it's in there. And I'm happy to send out the photo to you if you make a request. I don't care if I get 500 requests. So how about that as an answer as opposed to trying to say it in a way where everyone's going to get it? Does that work for you, Joe? That works perfectly. That's exactly the answer that I wanted to hear. Because it yeah, was it was getting yeah. a little bit too too you know, strange and, and unusual. And yeah, so this, that is the ideal thing right. to do. And, and I'm glad you mentioned your book again, because um, that, is, that is a good, a good place for any pitcher or coach of a pitcher who's serious about pitching to start is to, is to check out your book because it is full of all the strength and conditioning exercises that you need for the elbow. And I'm talking about engineering the pitching elbow, which you can find on angels website at gymscience.com. Um, and it, you know, I, I think I think anybody who's who's really serious about pitching and wants to take it to a, a high level, whether it's whether it's uh, college or, or pro baseball, they need to read that book and and put themselves into a position where where they can be healthy and have and have a healthy arm um, going forward. I mean, it's just it's just it's just like it's just like another tool in the toolbox, something that you that was going to be very helpful in keeping yourself yeah. healthy. Let me give um, the so we've, listeners just one more quick tool here that I want to make sure I cover, and I promise this will only take a minute. So I want sorry. everybody who's got a pitcher in their life to have that pitcher take off his shirt and look at him from the back and look at his back and look at his two shoulder blades, and those shoulder blades should be equidistant from the spine, and they should be at the same height. And if you see anything that looks indented on the pitching shoulder blade, 
you want to get this guy into some shoulder program training because that means the back of his shoulder is wearing out, which is what happens to the decelerators. And that right there, pitching with a weak rear shoulder, puts extra stress on the elbow. So that is a visual inspection I want people to make. Secondly, if your son or your pitcher or any of your pitchers on your staff say, my back of my shoulder isn't recovering, my forearm's not recovering, the rear of my elbow's not recovering, and they're actually feeling activity in those three places, all of those are red lights for future elbow injuries. So again, those things need to get addressed immediately. And what I recommend to every coach is you teach the pitchers, guys, when you feel something here, here, or here, oh, and the biceps at the same time, tightness in the biceps. But if you feel forearm stress, tightness in the biceps, stress in the back of the shoulder, stress in the back of the arm, and you start noticing that, one, you're waking up and there's extra stress, two, you're not getting rid of the stress and not recovering the same way, we need to hear about it and we'll get on top of it with you immediately. And that's how we really start to take care of our guys with early intervention, but then taking to the next level and saying, what's he doing in his mechanics that are causing this? So that's the way you can go to the next level. But those are red lights that I want everyone to have on their their menu, and when they hear it, I want the lights to go off and do something with that information. Don't ignore it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, we don't we don't need any more tough guys. We don't need any more any more uh, pitchers going out there and pitching with pain and and um, you know taking one for the team or whatever. If, if you're having pain in your arm, you need you need to figure out what's happening and why it's happening. Um, an interesting thing that that you've said to me offline: um, if you're a right-handed pitcher, your your right arm should feel like your left arm, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, in, in other words, you shouldn't be getting on a mound and your arm, your your arm is feeling sore or or worn out mm-hmm. or tired or, or some kind of pinch or pain or whatever. It sh- it should feel just like your other arm. It should feel yeah. fine. If something <laughs> if something keeps drawing your attention, then there's something wrong. And pitchers do tend to minimize some of the pains over time. But yeah, when you're recovered, their arms the arms should feel the same. Yeah, and that's how you know nothing's wrong with it. All right. Well. Contrary to all the news we've been hearing for the last month and a half about about how terrible the the uh, injury epidemic is and how there's no hope and there's no solution and pitchers have nowhere to turn, um, I think we've we've broken some ground here and we've given people some things to sink their teeth into, and I think there's a lot of hope for pitchers going forward and and healthy days are ahead. So I want to say thank you so much, Angel, for for sharing your knowledge and taking your time today, and. Um, that's about all the time we have. So if you want to learn more about Angel and what she does with pitchers, visit gymscience.com, G-Y-M-S-C-I-E-N-C-E.com. It's where you can find all kinds of information, free articles on pitching mechanics, injury prevention, as well as Angel's book that we mentioned before, Engineering the Pitching Elbow. Once again, it fittingly is a book full of strength and conditioning exercises specifically for the elbow. And if you want to learn more about me, you can visit MetsToday.com or OnBaseball.com or follow me on Twitter at OnBaseball. And I want to say thanks again so much for listening. We hope you learned something, and we wish you safe and effective performance on the pitching mound. Okay, bye-bye, Joe. Bye.